Just after the turn of the 20th century, the Catholic Church perceived that secularism was taking over the world, and so they wanted to declare one Sunday of the year, Christ is King. It's the last Sunday of the church year before Advent starts. Today, we in that tradition celebrate that Christ is King. However, the difficulty we have is that we often quickly reject, don't remember, don't pay attention to the kind of king that Jesus is. Some Christians want Jesus, when he comes back again, to be a different kind of king than the way he ended his first life. Jesus was meek and mild and gentle. Well, we hope when Jesus comes back, he's going to be a little more vindictive and hostile. You know, there are some Christians that are looking for a hostile Jesus. Now, I want you to know that's not our tradition. However, we are quick at times like this to think of King Jesus in terms of the metaphor that haunts the world. And so we're going to read this passage, but you need to hear it as a passage where the kingship of Jesus is eclipsed, it's invisible. It's disappeared. He's emptied himself of everything that looks kingly. And that's the kind of king we decide to follow. Jesus, in this chapters of John 18 and 19, have confronted the political and religious leaders of Jerusalem, and he is not in good favor with them. And so they are after his life. The disciples themselves haven't learned yet quite what kind of king Jesus is. For they too think that Jesus at one point has gone to lift up a sword and take over the Roman Empire by military might. And so we come into John 18 and 19 with these words, this encounter with Pilate. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own or did others tell you about me? And Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. And you remember that just the night before, when they were coming after Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter was ready to fight for Jesus and took out a sword and cut off the high priest's servant's ear. Jesus is clearly saying that we are not going to be that kind of kingdom. 
Our disciples are not going to take up weapons and fight wars. I'm a different kind of king. And after Jesus has said this, he went out to the Jewish leaders again and told them, I have no case against Jesus, but you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? And they shouted in reply, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a bandit. That's to give us a pretty clear message how screwed up the kingdom values had gotten among the chief priests. I'd read rather have Barabbas as our king, who is a bandit, than Jesus, who is a prophet and a healer. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged, and the soldiers wore, wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they dressed him in a purple robe, and they kept coming up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, striking him on the face. Pilate went out again and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no case against him. So Jesus came wearing the crown of thorns and a purple robe. Pilate said to him, Here is the man. Then the chief priests and the police saw him. They shouted, Crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no case against him. And then the Jewish leaders answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die, because he is claimed to be the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. We know that since ancient times, probably since the beginning of humanity, certain people would rise to the position of kings and queens, of primary leaders of their communities. In the human pattern, when those people take charge, the pattern is that they tend to control the power to themselves. And they use whatever means necessary to get their will to be done. We know that the people who are with those kings and queens often feel oppressed and concerned about their patterns of life because they live under the oppressive reality of that king or monarch. Or the way that I often like to refer to it from the Christmas story is that wonderful passage where the three wise men are coming to Herod and saying, we want to see this person who's born king of the Jews. And Herod said, hmm, I didn't know there was such a person. Please tell me you found him. Because Herod doesn't want any competition. You see, when Herod was upset about something, the text is very clear, all Jerusalem was upset with him. Isn't that the way it is with a hurtful, abusive, controlling person in the household? When that person's upset, the whole house is upset. When the pastor's upset, the church is upset. When the president is upset, the people of the nation are upset. 
Jesus knew that that kind of rulership was by intimidation and control and by violence. And he would have none of it. Those are marks of the old paradigm of kingship that Jesus is trying to eradicate. And we don't want to get pulled back into it again. The marks of the old paradigm are power down, wealth, high control over others, force, violence, torture, death. A a person of great talent, often good looks, and lots of charisma. Now, there was one in rock and roll who was called the king. I believe his name was Elvis. I asked the question, why was Elvis called the king of rock and roll? Did you ever ask that question? Why did others identify him as the king? Because they perceived that he was the only one who had the qualifications to bridge all of the worlds of music that needed to come together to make rock and roll. There was rock, country, gospel, rhythm and blues, and they all came together with Elvis Presley to make rock and roll. The looks, the hair, the sneer, the moves. Most of his hits charted in the years of the late 50s. And he's probably the only man alive that wear black and pink and pull it off as a masculine trait. Bruce Springsteen, the boss, said this about why he called Elvis the king. There have been a lot of tough guys. There have been a lot of pretenders, a lot of contenders. But there is only one king, according to the boss. That's a pretty strong homage. And then Bob Dylan said, in a more dramatic, I believe, and deeper understanding way of his kingship, when I first heard Elvis' voice, I knew that I wasn't going to work for anybody, and nobody was going to be my boss. Hearing him for the first time was like bursting out of jail. Wow. He was ready to declare him king. Why is it that we need kings? Well, Israel, back in the Old Testament, had come to the place with the prophet Samuel that they were pretty frustrated that their nation wasn't taking off and growing like other nations were. And they began to assess it as they didn't have a king. So they went to the prophet Samuel and they said, give us a king. Well, Samuel wasn't very happy about that, and he began to talk to God. And Samuel said, God, what do I do with this? These people are rejecting you, and they want to have another king. And then what God says to Samuel is this. Listen to the voice of the people and all that they say for you to do. They have not rejected you, Samuel, but they have rejected me, the Lord, from being king over them. Just as they have done to me from the day I brought them out of Egypt to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, 
so also they are doing to you. Now then, listen to their voice only. You should solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. And the preceding, the paragraph that now follows is a paragraph, but everything the king is going to take away from the people. We give power to another person, and that person just takes more. And God wants nothing to do with that, and hasn't from the beginning. God is not a taker of power. God is a giver of power. Jesus himself, when he heard the word king, ran the other way. Even in this passage in John chapter 18 and 19, Jesus really doesn't want to be called king. He surely doesn't call himself king. Pilate calls him king of the Jews, but Jesus never once called himself king of the Jews. What is going on there between Pilate and Jesus and the people who have rejected him as king? It's the same thing that goes on with all of us. If we find a weak leader and we see a strong leader right next to them in the sense of somebody who knows how to manipulate power, we will, as human beings, tend to gravitate toward the manipulative, powerful person. And Jesus knew it. So when we call Christ the King on this Sunday, we are talking about an eclipsed metaphor. We are talking about a counterintuitive pattern of life, a different kind of kingship. We're talking about not the king who controls from the outside, who has power down, who actually takes away free will, who uses threat and coercion and oppression, intimidation, control, seduction, manipulation, lies, fake news, to control things hierarchically. And Jesus comes along and says, no, I'm going to control people from the inside. I'm not going to be the outside person who's trying to have power over them. I am the inside person who is trying to give power to them. That they might take the power of God and use it for good. It's a power that comes among people. It's a power that asserts the expansion of free will, not takes it away. It's a power of truth. It's a power of how the Spirit has stronger ties than blood ties. Well, that's a very long conversation. Argue about that sometime. Which is more important to you, your blood ties or your spirit ties? There's no doubt in Jesus' mind it was the spirit ties. But in the traditional kingly pattern, it would be blood ties. Today in the afternoon in Carnegie Hall, our choir participates in singing one of the great oratorial pieces of all time, Handel's Messiah. And at the end, all the choirs are going to get together and sing the Hallelujah Chorus. 
He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And we sing that we have images of grandeur. And that's exactly the point I want to caution us on. We can so easily move from the grandeur of what we make of Jesus that we forget he's still the humble Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the earth. There's a new paradigm that Jesus brings. It's a paradigm of a kind of king that becomes a slave and dies a criminal's death. Not the kind of king that people follow on earth. I happen to be a fan of Ludwig von Beethoven, and his Symphony Number no. 3, the Eroica Symphony, is often known as the point where he left classicism behind and engaged romantic, uh, melodic, and thematic patterns. The Heroic Symphony, number three, when he first wrote it, was dedicated to Napoleon Bonaparte. It had Napoleon's name in big print at the top, and it had Beethoven's name in little print at the bottom. That's how much Beethoven loved the democratic French Revolution ideals of Napoleon Bonaparte. But not too long after he wrote the symphony, Napoleon named himself as Emperor of the World. And when Beethoven heard that, he said, Now he's no more than a common mortal. Now too he will tread underfoot the rights of men, indulge only his ambition. Now he will think himself superior to all men and become a tyrant. Beethoven went to the table, seized the top of the title page, tore it in half, and threw it on the floor. Never to have Napoleon's name attached to it again. Beethoven was looking for a king that would care about people. And he lost his primary image in Napoleon. Often at Easter, we think of what Jesus went through on the day of his entry into Jerusalem. We hear this wonderful Lutheran hymn that is sung, and sometimes we sing it ourselves. Ride on, ride on in majesty. As all the crowds Hosanna cry, through the waving branches slowly ride, O Savior, to be crucified. Ride on, ride on in majesty, in lowly pomp, ride on to die. O Christ, your triumph now begin with captured death and conquered sin. Ride on, ride on in majesty, the angel armies of the sky look down with sad and wondering eyes to see the approaching sacrifice. Ride on, ride on in majesty, and lowly pomp ride on to die. Bow your meek head to mortal pain. Then take, O God, your power and reign. Let us never forget that the consistent nature and character of Jesus is the one who laid down his life and wants to serve humanity. That's the only king we serve. Let us not try to make Jesus into some kind of earthly king 
where we can somehow influence his passion for vindication and vindictiveness. I know some Christians who are glad Jesus is coming back again because he's going to settle all accounts and he's going to wipe out his enemies. There's that servant king. Uh Uh-uh. I don't think Jesus is coming back to wipe out his enemies with military force. I think Jesus is coming back to win all humanity in the spirit of the servant king. And that's the king we follow. In the book of Revelation, which is often used to somehow change the paradigm of king we understand about Jesus, it says really clear when when John the Beloved, John the Divine is talking about all the enemies who've gathered against Jesus. It says that all those enemies will make war on the Lamb. And the Lamb will conquer them. For He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those with Him are called and chosen and faithful. We must be careful here. How does Jesus conquer all humanity? Not by overpowering them with great might, but by willing to lay down his life. And so it is with those of us who are part of the kingdom and want to follow in Jesus' footsteps. We serve a humble king, a crucified king, a king who will for eternity still call us to lay down our lives for the good of others. Let us pray. O Lord Jesus Christ, we ask now for your help that your goodness and mercy would guide us into a future that is not driven by arrogance or power down or by control but by driven by the very nature of who you are as the servant slave king. And so may your Holy Spirit teach us this way as we follow you on this Christ the King Sunday. Amen.